Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Brazil and I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path up to the games today. This is probably one of the most incredible stories I have personally ever heard. I may have said that three or four times now, but this story with Casey Andringa. Casey is one of a very small, small handful of athletes that made the Olympics without ever actually being on Team USA. Um, I don't need to get too deep into it, but Casey is a uh, USA skiing. He, um, his discipline is moguls. Casey is a super cool dude. He was so much fun to talk to, but then also the fact that his story is insane. Just all of the things that had to happen, all of the, all of the occurrences that he had to do his best every step of the way and then have things fall in place for him and have certain things happen to other people. Just it's, it's seriously an incredible story and I, I loved it so much. Um, so thank you guys for listening. But first, have you ever la- wanted to launch a podcast but did not know where to start? If so, you're in luck because I've partnered with launchingpodcasts.com, which is a step-by-step video course to easily launch a podcast. I've used this information from the course to launch my cat podcast, and I have seen some amazing results. Why did I create a podcast? So I could grow my brand, build new relationships, and become a thought leader in this space, and now you can too. Head over to launchingpodcasts.com and get $50 off by using promo code Mike at checkout. That's launchingpodcasts.com, promo Promo code Mike at checkout for $50 off. Without further ado, here is Casey. All right, today's special guest, Casey Andringa of USA Skiing Moguls, born October 6, 1995 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, hometown, Boulder, Colorado. Started skiing at the age age of 17 months, I don't know, like 17 months after birth, something like that. Started competing at the age of eight, uh, won the bronze medal at Junior Worlds in 2015, was not selected to Team USA in 2017, but still made the 2018 Olympics where he finished fifth overall. Super interested to hear more about that. Uh, Later that year, he then finished twice in the top 10 on the World Cup circuit and won Rookie of the Year. Has a brother named Jesse, who is also on the USA ski team. And Casey is also a relatively well-known photographer, and everything will be in the show notes so that everyone can check that stuff out. Casey, thanks for hanging out with us today, man. I appreciate it. Hey, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Never done a podcast before. Heck so. yeah. Look at that. Breaking, breaking some boundaries. <laughs> Look at you. Get comfortable being uncomfortable, right, man? I love it. Uh, good stuff. But sincerely, the pleasure is mine. You're the one that went to the Olympics. If anything, I'm going to go as a spectator in, in a few years and we'll see how that goes. But uh, enough about me, Casey. I mean, I guess just tell us, I mean, growing up in, uh, in Milwaukee, moving to Boulder, uh, just, I guess, tell us about the beginning of your life and getting into skiing. Obviously, 17 months is pretty early, I hear. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't remember a lot of that <laughs> earlier stuff, but we lived in, I was born in Wisconsin. We lived in Milwaukee or near Milwaukee for the first three years of my life. Um, my parents were both from Madison. Uh, they just like love skiing and my dad was a hockey player and my mom was a gymnast. So they're both like really into sports. And, um, I guess my mom kind of discovered Colorado and skiing and my dad, was like, okay, I guess I'll be into that too. And uh, so, yeah, they started going out there on trips. That's when I started skiing. And then um, they moved out there when I was like three. And uh, skiing became just like from, you know, started from an every weekend thing to now it's pretty much every day. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, it was uh, kind of a weird transition because my dad always coached me in sports growing up. And because he played, you know, a bunch of sports, but he was never a skier. So then when I kind of, transition to full-time skiing 
he was a little bummed out because well, he wasn't bummed, but he just no longer was able to coach me really. Mm-hmm. He, I, you know, started coaching him kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So that's kind of how, how I got into it in the first place. I love it, man. And I mean, obviously your brother, um, tell us about how, you know, how, what's the, what's the age gap between uh, the two of you? It's two years. So I'm 23 right now. He just turned 21. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually just in the room with me and just went oh. to dinner. Um, but yeah, we're, we're super close and we've pretty much done everything together. And he just had the luxury of doing it two years before, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as far as like, his age went. And, uh, yeah, so he is a really good skier, and uh, you know, I'm sure the day will come when he'll pass me up, but hopefully, it's not for a couple of years. I was gonna say you, you got a little while till then, and as always, I, you know, my brother played college baseball. Um, he went to the uh, uh, the the um, the college World Series and everything, and I just told everybody, oh, well, well, obviously, because he learned everything from me. I'm three <laughs> years older, so of course, you know, me beating up on him when he was eight and I was eleven or twelve um, really did good. It really did yeah. good for him. So I'm sure the exact same thing uh, is over there on your part too. So what, um, how, I guess, did legitimately, like when you guys were growing up, was it always he kind of just did everything you did? So that way it was just kind of easy for your parents and that's why he is not, maybe not further along in the progression, but also kind of, I mean, he's on Team USA for a reason, right? Yeah, I mean, he, so we kind of started, just did everything together I guess maybe because it was easier on my parents. Mm-hmm. I guess I've never really thought about it that way. Uh-huh. Um, but like I played hockey and he played soccer. And so those are the two sports that we didn't like really crisscross. I played soccer for a second in high school, but it was, I literally started, I played soccer for two years uh, from on the varsity team in my high school only because I had to drive him to soccer tryouts his freshman yeah. year. So I was like, I guess I'll try out for goalie. And then I ended up playing goalie for two seasons. But um so we both, he's like, you know, he's a different person. He has his own interests as well, but mm-hmm. it just so happens that skiing was kind of like the thing that we both like the best. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, it's awesome. Cause like you always have somebody to push, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. push the other one. And like, it's usually, you know, when I'm feeling lazy, <laughs> he's up there being like, come on, dude, we got to go. Or like when he's having a bad day, you can kind of help each other out. And so it's nice having a little, a little bit of home everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably super helpful too. If you guys get to travel together, you kind of always have that connection still. Um, that's really nice. And yeah, you can always say, look, you, I feel like I can say different things to my brother than, than most other people. I can be just a little bit meaner, or just a little bit pushier. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, so I'm sure that that helps too. You can be as brutally honest um, as possible with your brother, which is always cool. So, um, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, oh, sorry, one more thing about that. No, no, no please. Since it's a team, so you're on a, you know, we're on the US team mm-hmm. and there's, I think six or seven of us guys that travel to each world cup this season. And, but it's an individual sport. And so like you're directly competing against these guys who are also like some of your closest friends. And so it's, it's really easy when you're cooped up close to each other and there's a bunch of really strong personalities. It's really easy for there to be like, you know, some butting of heads and, and all that. And so it's nice because I usually just room with Jesse just because like, if we ever do get pissed at each other, we'll just like yell at each other for five minutes. And then five minutes later, it'll be totally fine again. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, yeah, yeah, that happens. You want to play video games? Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, I, I completely agree with that. Completely understand. Um, and that does make life a lot easier for you. I'm sure just kind of knowing that there's always one person that venting to or, or venting at um, really can't 
really end your relationship, obviously. Yeah. Not much. Forced, is, yeah. What, your mom's just going to call you up and say, hey, apologize to your brother. That's <laughs> probably into that conversation, right? So yeah. uh, very cool. And I guess actually, so I'll, I'll skip a couple of things just because you brought it up and we can kind of go with a little continuity. Um, what is it like? You know, obviously being on Team USA, you got these six guys that you're going against. Um, a lot of young dudes too. Like, let's be honest about that. So what is it like being in direct competition with your teammates at all times and understanding and I know, I know the Olympics is not the only thing that happens in your world, right? Obviously, World Championships, World Cup. But because this is an Olympic podcast, I'm kind of going to steer it in that, in that order. It's like, what is it like knowing that not all six of you can make the games? Only a certain number of you can, and you have to be better and, and compete again. Like, what, how, are, how do those relationships work, yeah. and how do you go to get around that? Uh, there's definitely some weirdness at times, um, and people in a judge sport especially, you know, like people out there thinking that, they should have scored higher than mm -hmm. you one run. And that's why you are getting to go to the Olympics and they're mm -hmm. not kind of thing, but it's just kind of also, it's so much ingrained in like the nature of an individual sport that you learn how to deal with it. And you learn that that's just a part of it, like pretty, pretty quick. And so like even on the U S team, I think we have nine guys total, but only six or seven get to go to international world cups. And so right there, you're already competing against each mm -hmm. other for those World Cup starts. And, and not luckily, but right now, a bunch of – there's the perfect number of guys who are healthy. Unfortunately, we had, like, some injuries earlier in the mm -hmm. season. But it – so it's made this preseason be a lot easier as far as, like, tensions go. Because mm -hmm. everybody knew that, like, if, you know, if you're healthy, you're going to be able to ski the event. Um, and so, like – you deal with that and then with the Olympics just comes like that extra level of tension. Cause it's like literally you know, it's the pinnacle. It's like what you work for. That's like why, at least for me, that was why mm -hmm. I wanted to get into skiing. Cause I watched the Olympics and, and so it's, that's, there was definitely some weirdness going on, but I was kind of the outsider last year cause I wasn't on the U S team and, uh, to begin with. And so I was coming in and it wasn't necessarily like, me trying to compete against these other guys for a spot. I was just kind of like me versus the world. I was like, all right, mm -hmm. let's, let's do this. Doesn't really matter what anyone else does. Like this is what I'm going to do. And so that was kind of a nice spot to be coming from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now you get to go in with all the politicking and, and all yeah. the extra stuff. I mean, as you yeah. said, not, not luckily the guys got hurt. Obviously we'd never wish injury upon anyone, but it's kind of, you know, it, it, it did make the situation easier. It sounds like it's definitely, yeah. And it's, we it's, never uh, wish it upon anyone, but no, and these, I mean, these guys are my, they're going to listen to this and they're going to be like, dude, what the hell? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> he doesn't no, mean it. Don't worry. Like, he our, our teammates, uh, Joel Hedrick and Emerson Smith, uh, Joel hurt his knee at the beginning of the season. He's like a, ab, like a great skier. And like, he, it's just, it was just an unlucky thing. And mm -hmm. it kind of, it also makes you realize that like it, you're just on such a razor thin mm -hmm. edge out here. Like that could happen to anybody. And so when one of us goes down, like everyone's got to be there to support them. And, um, you know, miss hanging out with those guys, but yeah. they'll, they'll be back. So exactly. They'll, they'll be back. That's the important part. Um, money I hear does make, it gets a little frustrating on the money side, but we can get that um, just a little bit later. So I guess let's, let's take a step back for a second. How, how did you get into moguls? Like what, I, I know you said you watched it on the Olympics, if I'm not mistaken, and that's what made you want to do it. But does every mountain just have a mogul course you can kind of start riding and go through or how does that work? I mean like all your, every mountain is going to have mogul runs. Mm -hmm. Um, and winter park where I grew up skiing is kind of known winter park and Mary Jane 
is uh, Mary Jane is like the other side of the mountain that has like just known for its legendary bump runs. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up skiing those. And uh, I then I watched my my dad and mom were always huge into the Olympics growing up. So we'd always like watch it. And they even to like the very furthest depths of my memory, I like have these like little snippets of them like explaining to me what it meant to win a gold medal and like what it meant to be able to compete for your country and like all these all these cool things that clearly really stuck with me. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we watched in the 2002 Olympics, I was what, seven years old or something like that. And I watched, uh, Johnny Mosley ski. Mm-hmm. I think that was the Olympics. He did his dinner roll. And we were like, and my whole family was just losing their minds about it. Mm-hmm. It was the cool, it was just like this young dude. Like, I, I don't know. You've probably never seen Johnny Mosley or heard of kind of what he did, but he like revolutionized the sport of mogul skiing. And, uh, he was like this all American, just like Cali bro, dude, mm-hmm. like all smiles, just so much hype. And it was just, the whole thing was so exciting. And I was like, that is what I want to do right there. And so after that, uh, we saw a local competition from for a bunch of, for like, you know, six to 15 year olds at the mountain. And my parents signed me up and we, I found the, my dad found the results sheet the other day and I got dead last out of the entire field. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure they told me that I'd done really well. Oh yeah, exactly. I doubt I, I doubt I would have stuck with it if they had told me I lost my first one. I mm-hmm. did not like to lose. Oh no, of course nobody does, but I'm sure at six, seven, eight years old, however old you were, um, I'm sure it's a very easy, it's like, Oh, you did great. It's like, Oh, what place did I come in? Uh, it doesn't matter. You did great. <laughs> That's the important yeah. part. And you just kind of all smiles, but I just yeah. love that, man. Like it's it, every, every athlete that I get the opportunity to speak with, um, you know, there's always, there's always the nationalism. You always want to represent your country because obviously you grew up here. It's giving you great opportunity, but there's always like one little event. And, and like at the time you're six years old, cheering at your TV. And now fast forward 16 years, you, you went to the Olympics. Like, the opportunities and everything that had to happen to keep you on that path and for you to continue to keep working harder and harder for that to happen. Uh, you know, I admire it. I just think it's incredible. And, and, you know, thank you first off, uh, for doing what you're doing, but I just think that that's super cool. Uh, and I absolutely okay. love it. So, um, if you don't mind Casey actually explaining what moguls are, I mean, I can, I know it when I see it, but I can never actually explain yeah. it to you. I get that. Funny. I get that a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, we all do just, cause it's kind of a weird niche sport. Cause everybody knows what Alpine skiing is when you're racing down the gates. Mm-hmm. If you have the fastest time you win at the end of the day. But so mogul skiing is you have a mogul course typically. Well, moguls, first of all, are the big bumps of snow mm-hmm. that you see on the mountain that if you aren't familiar with them, the second you see them, you're probably like, Oh God, I have to get down these right now mm-hmm. because they, they can be kind of a pain. <laughs> But um, mogul- physically and literally, like literally, figuratively, a yeah, little yeah. bit of both. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so basically, in mogul skiing, you have a course typically between like 200 and 250 meters long. Um, usually between, they're usually very steep. Mm-hmm. I was gonna, they're usually like 28 to 29 degrees, but that doesn't really mean wow. anything to. Yeah, a lot I remember of geometry. I, I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, and they have two jumps, so there's a. A top section with like five or six turns of moguls and then a top jump where it's usually a little bit smaller and then you have the middle section which is like the biggest chunk of the course and that's just you ski one line of moguls down the whole way and then mm-hmm. there's a bottom jump which is usually a lot bigger to the bottom section where you have slightly less moguls and then the finish area and so 
how it's scored basically is they take your time, but your time's only worth 20% of your score. And so they combine that with how clean your turns are and how technical your skiing is, which is 60% of your score. And then your jumps also like how hard the trick is, how high you went, how well you landed is worth another 20%. And so that's kind of how you get this overall score out of a hundred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not the fastest. It's not, it's, it sounds like it's more whoever is the cleanest and just the mo- the best skier has the best opportunity to win. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a hard thing. And like the amount of weekends I've, you know, mm-hmm. spent angry or, you know, with tears in my eyes because the judges thought somebody else skied a better run is like, that's just kind of the nature of a mm-hmm. judge sport. And like, I don't know, it's hard to compare one guy who skis really slow, but really clean. And one guy who skis like ripping fast and goes huge, but kind of messes up. And it's, mm-hmm. so it's like a little bit of apples to oranges, but um, you just have to ski your best and then hope, hopefully the judges like it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure with different judges come different preferences too. Right. So like, and mm-hmm. I don't know, have you, have you ever found that? I've never been able to ask this question before. Have you ever found certain countries um, or certain types of judges, maybe older, younger, something like that prefer different styles? Um, it's kind of hard to track like who's cause the judges just have a number. Okay. So there's like judge one through seven. Okay. And so it's kind of hard to tell, like to track who, which judge and like see how they're judging over a period of time. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I could be wrong, but my guess would be that the older judges typically like really clean, uh, kind of slower, really like dynamic turns. And then some of the younger judges like kind of, you know, sending it and reward mm-hmm. you for going big and going fast. Interesting. Um, which is what I think mogul skiing should be. I, I personally have some issues with like where the sport is headed right now. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm hoping that I can help change that. But, you know, you got to be at the top to do that. So you can try to get there. Hey, man, you're pretty close. I mean, top five in the world is something. You know, if I can be top 500 in the world in anything, um, I wouldn't be too angry about it. So, um, so l- thank you for that. Sincerely appreciate it. It's always nice to get a little um, extra information because every time I ask this question, I get to learn a little bit more. So I think that's sweet. Um, so tell us about 2015. You won bronze at the Junior Worlds. Um, what's that like, man? I mean, you're 19 years old. And, you know, at, it's, they're 19 and under, correct? The Junior Worlds? I think, yeah, 19 or 20, or maybe 20 and under. I'm, okay. I'm not even really sure. Um, but, yeah, so it was kind of a – to really, like, understand that event, for me, I got to take a step back real quick. Mm-hmm. Please. So I grew up skiing in Winter Park, and then when I was 18, all my friends were, you know, going to college and mm-hmm. were done being skiing. Who I These are, like, my best friends I grew up with. And my coach, we thought, was also leaving uh, the ski club. And so mm-hmm. um, there was – Team Vail at the time had some really good coaches and some guys skiing who were like top tier, um, my same age. And I was friends with a couple of them. And uh, so I switched to Team Vail for the season. But at the very end of the 2014 ski season, I tore the meniscus in my knee. Mm -hmm. And so it was like the first time I'd had to deal with like a surgery and then coming back from surgery. Mm -hmm. And it like really, it wasn't a major surgery at all but I had all this bone bruising and I was just in constant pain. And then combine that with going to the 2015 skiing. I was, I had a new coach was trying to learn a whole new style of skiing Mm -hmm. that was, I was really struggling with. And I was, my knee was constantly in my head and I had these uh, prescription like anti-inflammatory, like basically like really strong ibuprofen that uh, the doc gave me. And 
it was like if I wanted to ski that day, I had to take one of these pills mm-hmm. because like that was the only way that I could keep the pain low enough. And so I went from being like top ten um, at most of the events we were skiing the the semi the national like basically mm-hmm. national level events to then all of a sudden in 2015 like I wasn't breaking the top 25 like I wasn't making finals. Um, it was really hard. I was in pain constantly and like going into junior worlds, I was just like pretty fed up with the season, like where my ski career had taken was like taking this turn to. And, um, I don't know. I, so I'm not sure what would have happened, but then I did really bad on the, the first day I got like, like, I don't know, 17th or something. And then on the second day in duels, which is where you race somebody down a mogul course, mm-hmm. uh, that's when I ended up third. And it was like, this like breath of fresh air of like, oh my god like maybe i can still do this and so i think like if i hadn't gotten that result like there's a chance that i just would have been like screw it i'm going to school mm-hmm. um and stopped competing but to like be on a like my first international podium with like you know a bunch of other mm-hmm. i think it was me and a bunch of russian guys and <laughs> And it was just like so cool. And I was like, wow, this is a feeling that I'm trying to get again. Mm -hmm. And so that's, then I was like, all right, we're just going to deal with it and push push forward and try to get better from there. I love that, man. I mean, honestly, that was going to be my question with all the pain, with all the, 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 obviously not failure, but definitely not, not as much success as you'd be looking for was, and especially at 19, I mean, what 19 year old isn't extremely dramatic about everything. Right. So like potentially just being like, screw it, throw everything in the air and walk away. Um, it sounds like that was a real possibility. And thankfully, um, that that didn't happen because you did get this third place. And at any point in time during that season specifically, did you think like, okay, obviously this is correlated to, okay, the more pain I feel, the worse I ski, maybe I just take this one off or, or even the 2016 season. Is that what you did? Like, Hey, let's take a break for a second just so this can actually heal itself. Yeah. So, it, it's it's oh here we oh, go let's yeah do it. yeah so let's do it, man let's do it one more one more step back so um that whole season i was like is this worth it i was watching all my best friends go off to college and make new friends mm-hmm. and like yep. have go on with these new steps in their life which was like really hard for me to do just to because like when you're skiing you can't go to school and ski at the same time mm-hmm. and do both well but at the same time like when you're skiing there's so much, there's a lot of downtime and there's like, a, so there's a ton of hard work and you're, when you're skiing, you're skiing super hard, but then, you know, you can only train for two, three hours a day without your body crumbling to the mm-hmm. ground. And so like that left the rest of my day to just like ponder life and mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And it started like really bumming me out. And so finally after that, um, after that year, I actually did go to school in the fall mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wasn't going to be done skiing. And so I, I, I trained at what would be the beginning of 2015 to, yeah, the 15-16 season. Sorry, they all get kind of... Yeah, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so I went to Sioux Boulder in the fall, um, which was great. Made a bunch of friends, like had a great time. Uh, kept training and then had started to figure out kind of how to ski with this new style I'd been learning. And going into the NORAM tour, which is the North American circuit. So mm-hmm. it's the level between regionals and world cup. Um, I was doing, I was doing really well. I was making the top five. Um, I was, with, I think third on the whole grand prix on the tour. 
And then and my knee was feeling better and going into the last event where, so if you win that tour, you make the U S ski team mm-hmm. and going into that last event, um, where I had a chance, if I won the event, I could have made the team. Uh, I tore the other meniscus. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Jesus. Yeah. So it's oh the same dude. exact injury in my uh-huh. other knee. And so that was, so I had torn one in 2014, 2015. Um, well, yeah, so 2013, 2014, that's the season that I tore my left mm-hmm. meniscus. Then 2015, 14, 15, 15, yeah. I was healthy. Mm-hmm. But that was when I was dealing with all the, the mental stuff of coming mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. And then 15, 16, I tore my right meniscus. And I was just like, uh, it was just absolutely crushed me. And there, mm-hmm. that was like another whole thing where like, should I be done? Uh, like the sport is killing me. Um, and at that time you had the taste of college too. I mean, yeah, like I, yeah. I didn't leave for college. I stayed here. I went to community college. So I still lived at home and I just saw every day how much more fun my friends were having than yeah. me. And it was always, yeah, as you said, there's a lot of mental stuff that goes on with that. You're a 18, 19 year old kid, of course. So like, yeah, again, so like you, you get hurt, then you go, you get to taste college, then you get hurt again. I mean, that second time it was probably going to have been even easier to be like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. And so I was like so close to just calling it, but I'd already done the surgery and I'd already mm-hmm. dealt with like the exact same uh, knee injury. And this one may, I don't know if it just wasn't as bad or something, but um, I got the surgery. I, as far as PT goes, I did like a lot more and I was mm-hmm. a lot more serious about it. Um, and then that summer I trained really hard and then went to school again. So for my sophomore year at CU, um, but this time I wasn't in the dorms, I was living in a house. And so mm-hmm. I was able, had more freedom to like go work out and run sprints and, um, get more serious about the up and coming ski season. And then, uh, so that would be 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And so I went to that season feeling really good about it all. And going into on the Noram tour, basically I finished second after it all, which, mm-hmm essentially means uh nothing <laughs> like if you win if you win the norm tour they put you on the usd team mm-hmm. and i beat there's like six guys on the norm tour that season who were on the team and i beat five of them the mm-hmm. entire season long but then when the naming the team when the whole like official usd team list came out i just like wasn't even anywhere mm-hmm. near it <laughs> And, uh, and so that was like, that was the point where I was like, what, what am I doing mm-hmm. here? Like, I've been spending all this time, all this, like all this money. Yeah. I haven't been going to school and like, for what, like I'm, I'm still, cause at that point I was 21 or yeah, 21. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've gotten, I have so many injuries. I'm so tired mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, it just doesn't seem to be happening for me. Did that not making the team and beating pretty much everybody on the team at that point, like did that bring any animosity towards those guys or, or just towards like the USA skiing in general? Cause I could, I mean, it sounds like you're pretty angry and I'm sure you're kind of toning it down uh, for being <laughs> honest. Like that makes zero sense. And that just sounds like a bunch of bullshit politics. Like how did you, yeah. at, like, like how did you deal with that and like not rip somebody's head off? Yeah, it was, I mean, I sure wanted to, um, <laughs> but it was, we ended up, it got, it got pretty serious. We got my coach involved and then 
at one point uh we had a my coach was like briefly talking with like a an attorney and stuff because it's okay it was like such a i mean it was such a grossly i don't to us it seems such like like such a grossly a gross misjustice kind mm -hmm. of thing yeah absolutely but um at the end of the day it was like there's certain boxes that you have to check to where they can say like all right you've made the u.s ski team Mm -hmm. And if you don't check those very specific boxes, mm -hmm. then there's no, they don't have to put you on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we're like, I mean, now the U S team, they're my coaches and like, I'm really mm -hmm. close to them all. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, they, they weren't doing anything. They didn't have like a vendetta against me. Yeah, like it yeah, was yeah. just the circumstance. And, um, but yeah, so it like really fired me up and, uh, I talked to my dad about it and I was, there was like a month there where I was going back and forth and I was like, I'm just like sick of getting mm -hmm. beaten down. And like, I just, I can't take it anymore. And, uh, he sat me down he was like, Casey, all you've wanted your whole life was to ski in the Olympics. And he was like, the Olympics is coming up in nine, 10 months or something. And, uh, he's like, yeah, you're not on the U S ski team, but like, you still have a chance to go. And so why not just say, I mean, part of my friend, he's like, why not just say fuck it and go for broke and just like push everything into the middle. And that way, like at the end, if you make it fantastic. And if you don't, then at least, you know, that you gave it every single thing you had. Mm -hmm. And he was uh -huh. like, cause that, cause then like you'll sleep easy for the rest of your life. Like it's exactly, it's, it's the kind of, like what keeps you up at night is when you think back and are you think back to the moments where you could have done more or you, mm -hmm. if you had tried something. And so mm -hmm. that was what really, really got me going. And, um, and so that was kind of when my brother and I took to the woods outside of steamboat, um, and like just really focused up and That's led awesome. to that, that whole summer. Yeah. Up to it. And so, I mean, explain that to us, like how, and, and wise words by your dad. I love that. And, you know, as you just said, it's, it's not, oh, I, I wish I didn't do this. It's, oh, I wish I did this. You know, on your deathbed, you don't think like, oh, you know, I'm so angry I did this. It's, no, I wish I did this, this, and this. So, no, I love, I love the mentality and what you got going on and, and the reasons why you did it. But explain that to us. Like, how can you make the Olympics without being on the USA ski team? And, like, I know, obviously, you represented the United States, right? But, like, how, like, what is, and I love that you did it too. It's, you know, big middle finger to them. It's like, all right, I'm not on the team. Well, I'm going to beat everybody else on the team. So like, how, how do you do that? What, what is the, I guess the protocol? Um, and then unfortunately I'm going to ask you in the simplest, the simplest potential way to say it, like, how did you go about that? And even like say, okay, these are the things I need to do to make the Olympics without even being a part of the United States ski team. Yeah. So there's one event in December every single year called us selections. Okay. And it's an event I've competed probably since I was 16 years old or mm -hmm. 15. And so it's the top 50 to 60 uh, skiers in the U.S. Um, go and compete. Usually this year they had no U.S. ski team members at it. But in previous years they have anywhere from three to six U.S. ski team members competing. Mm -hmm. And when you have an event like that where you have U.S. guys competing against non-U.S. guys, there's just like always – they're hard to beat because you have like – they have the name, they have the jacket. There's mm -hmm. like a lot of prestige going along with them. And, and so to beat the U S team members at these events is like, I don't know, you, you got to outski them for sure. 
And so, so, so just to, just to pause there for a second, and that's because this is more of a judge sport and less of a first to the bottom of the mountain, or is it more of a mental thing and you're like, Oh, like kind of in their presence? No, I mean, for me at this point, it wasn't. Cause like these, the guys on the team, like they're, those guys are my friends. Like I'd yeah, yeah, yeah. Up skiing against them. Um, I just come off a season where I had beaten a lot of the yeah, absolutely. members. Um, and so it wasn't a matter of like, can I do it? It was a matter of when you're going up against, it's kind of like if I was in a t-shirt and jeans and you were in like a full tuxedo kind of thing, mm-hmm. like, okay, you're, you're going to look at you and be like, mm-hmm. Oh, that guy knows what he's doing. So it's more, they're getting the benefit of the doubt and you yeah. probably wouldn't be. Okay, cool. Cool. Thank yeah. you for clarifying. So, that's awesome. So that's, that's a, an element of the sport that you always have to deal with. And mm-hmm. um, I knew that, but so there's this one event and they take the winner basically gets to ski a world cup mm-hmm. and that's all that the winner gets is one world cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, my Just tell him not to make noise. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Read a book in the corner. It's cool. It's cool. Jesse, go hang out in the other room. Hello. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is basically like the one event. If you win it, you get to ski one world cup and that's it. And how the Olympic team has decided is they take the top four guys off of their world cup results. So like you either are ranked, you know, 10th in the world on the world cup tour, or you get, you do like two events, which was kind of my case. Um, you do like two events, you do well. And they're like, okay, like these, this guy is, is one of the, our top dudes. Mm -hmm. And so that was like, that was the part that messed with me the heaviest all summer long was knowing that. So it's a two day event in December and I had to win both days. Mm -hmm. Like if I got, if I got second one day, like it was, I was going back to school Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and so there were, and there were a couple of us team guys competing at it. And so like, I just had to live with this, like this overbearing, Mm -hmm. it, it was, it was weird knowing that everything I was doing was like for these two days. And like, that is what I was training for. And it was, I think honestly, like what helped me focus really was because it was such a tangible and real goal. And it was like every moment that I was like in pain or out of breath or like everything I did the entire summer was literally for December 15th and 16th or Mm -hmm. whatever the days were. And, uh, um, and so just being able to focus up and that's when, uh, my brother and I, we moved onto rabbit ears pass, which is the national forest outside of steamboat, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just to have like a no distractions, uh, free (laughs) living style, I guess. And Mm -hmm. so we moved up there for two or three months and literally every day we would eat oatmeal or I don't know, like chicken and eggs, just like the most simple, as healthy as we could eat. Um, like no alcohol, no sugar, no anything that would like Mm -hmm. would that we thought would be like bad for us. And we'd have a bonfire every night before going to bed and go to bed at like eight o'clock when it got dark out and wake up at six and just go train like three times a day. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, that, was, that, I mean, that's that's some discipline too. I mean, especially at 20, 21, 22, however, whatever age you are now, uh, 23. I mean, that is extremely impressive. And yeah, understanding that everything you're doing is for two days specifically. I mean, that is crazy. And obviously, 
you won both days. So, I mean, congrats yeah. on that. And then so yeah. because you won, you get the opportunity to go to a World Cup. And just because you get the opportunity to go to a World Cup doesn't mean you're still going to make the Olympics. You have to do relatively well there, right? Like, so tell us about the World Cup and, and obviously doing well enough <laughs> to then make it uh, on. Because I know you got two top 10 finishes where those are just first two events that were just like, yeah, so right, those are the- clearly he's going to the Olympics. Yeah, so um, so some events are decided off World Cup rank, but for the Olympics, okay. it's they take your two best finishes. Oh no way! Wow. Yeah, which was really good. <laughs> so for many me. things could have went wrong, dude. Like that yeah. is insane. How many stars had to align for this to happen? This is wicked, dude. I love this. <laughs> yeah, there was so many moving people. Like looking back at it, and actually, oh, this is fun. I forgot to mention this. Oh, here we go. Another I one. was. Uh, today, exactly one year ago today was the day I was named to the Olympic team. So happy anniversary. Dude. It's fitting that we're what doing a perfect this today. Way. I wish, I wish I got this a little earlier so I could have released it on this date. Damn dude. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I honestly, my girlfriend just reminded me. Oh, no. <laughs> I had no idea. Hey, by the way, does this date remind you of anything? No, what, what? Dude, that is, that is insane. I mean, there are just so many stars that had to align for this to happen. Yeah. Um, and I mean, again, like I, I say stars that had to, I don't believe in being lucky. I believe in working extremely hard and putting yourself in good positions. And clearly, clearly you did that. Putting your, locking yourself away in the woods for two months to train, you know, making sure that you were perfect on those two runs and those, or however many runs in those two different days and winning both. And then your first two shots at the, the World Cup, finishing top 10, finishing better than everyone, not everyone else, but other people uh, to get yourself within. So how many, here's a question, how many people from the United States are like go to the Olympics? Like so, how, many, how many people are allowed and how does that, pro- I know it's your top two, but like, is it? So it's basically, um, it kind of depends. So there's five sports under the umbrella of freestyle skiing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, with those five sports the u.s gets 20 spots for guys and 20 spots for girls okay and with a max of four per sport and so um basically so there's a couple sports that are Mm -hmm. gonna get the short end of the stick yeah yeah yeah, and so uh luckily for us because in 20 yeah i think it was 2014 maybe it was 2010 i don't know one of the olympics in the past we only sent two guys or mm-hmm. maybe it was three but like we just we didn't have four starts mm-hmm. and this year because of how we finished in the world like on the nation's cup kind of mm-hmm. thing and also because of skiing skier cross didn't have any male men that were like were within mm-hmm. the range and so we got to send four guys which was huge and so there was four spots available and uh, I, yeah. So I guess so one U S selections, which was like the most, it was the most nervous I've ever been. I was up in the, I don't really get, I'm not the kind of person who's like freezing up from being nervous, but mm-hmm. I was like getting nauseous at the top and like, mm-hmm. I felt like I was going to throw up and I've uh-huh. never, I never felt like that level of nerves before uh-huh. because the other thing about mogul skiing is there's a qualifying round where everybody goes then the top 16 get a second run, then the top six get a third run. And so if you mess up at all, if you have like a little leg split or you miss your takeoff on a jump or you catch a tiny bit of an edge, like the whole trip, the whole journey was just over. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot of chances for things to go wrong. And it was just kind of like, I just had to stop thinking about that and think about all the things that could go right. Um, which I don't know if you also saw, I had this big sticker that just said, are you afraid? 
that I had on my helmet. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what it signified. That's like what it meant to me where it was like, it was like, are you afraid to succeed? Like, are you afraid Mm -hmm. for this to go right? Cause it's so easy to like think about all the things that can go wrong. And it's almost easier. I feel like at the end of the day to have something go wrong and then just be able to blame it on some external mm-hmm. factor. I completely so, agree. Yep. It's, it was a, it was a weird thing when I realized that and being like, well, I'm not like, I'm not afraid for like taking the hard route. Like let's, let's get it done and let's, uh, let's basically just get to the world cup. And mm-hmm. cause I, I realized like how <laughs> I realized exactly how many things had to go right for me to get to the Olympics. And so going into the season, I knew like, I want to like clearly the Olympics is the dream I've had forever, but I've never skied a world cup even. And like at this point skiing a world cup would be incredible. Like that Mm -hmm. would be so awesome. Like that's all I want. Like ski with a U.S. team jacket, a USA flag on my chest. Like, like let's, let's just get there. And so when I got to ski, I got invited to the deer Valley world cup for winning selections. And then I got a call a couple days later, a couple days after the event saying that, I was also invited to Calgary, which was a Canadian mm-hmm. World Cup mm-hmm. just before Deer Valley. And so now I had two World Cup starts that were guaranteed. And uh, so I kind of knew it what, was like... What was the reason? Why did they just all of a sudden spring the extra one on you? Um, I guess there had been some results that weren't... Basically, like they saw... Because I won... I ended up winning six runs in a row at selections oh okay I qualified first so, in each yeah. round yeah, yeah, yeah. so i think they saw it and were like damn like let's see what this dude can do mm-hmm. at the world cup mm-hmm. okay and cool Very so cool. they so they gave me the extra start um and it was like at that point i was on such a roll and everything was such a blur like my whole family had planned a mexico trip that i was supposed to be on for christmas but they were they my mom told me she just said that i shouldn't come and she was like casey like you need to stay here and focus and train and just like stay in a good headspace. And so I just like stayed home and had a nice little Christmas party and then <laughs> waited for, waited for the event in uh, Calgary. Uh-huh. But like when I got to the world cup, I thought it was going to be, I thought I was going to be so nervous, but it was almost like I'd use all of the nerves <laughs> for uh-huh. the previous event. Cause I was just like on such a high and I was having so much fun. And like, I think I cried out of like happiness, like mm-hmm. four times at that event just cause I was there. And, uh, then when I skied, I was like, yeah, well, I only there's only up. And so uh, skied, ended up qualifying. I started like 50th or something, and I ended up qualifying in fifth. Wow. And then after finals, I had ended up in seventh. And I was like, holy cow, top 10. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. And I got like, because they pay out the top 10 at a World Cup. And it's like, if you win, you get a lot of money. But mm-hmm. I got like seventh, which was like a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, this is crazy. This is so sick. Dude, better than zero dollars, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and awesome. so I was like super fired up. And then we flew immediately back to Deer Valley, which is in Park City, Utah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like, so the event ended and it was like literally two days later, we had to train for the, for the next event. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was just like, I still hadn't really had time to process mm-hmm. any of it. And so I was like, yeah, let's just keep it going. And that was like when the first time I got to use the U.S. team like facilities and the headquarters, and they put us up in this like sweet hotel room, and it was it was like like to the nine, and I was just you know I was coming off of like living in the woods, and I was like this mm-hmm. is the life, and um, yeah, and then I somehow at that event 
snuck into the suit we call it the super final it's like mm-hmm. that final round of six skiers somehow snuck into there and um kind of messed up in that run but still ended up fifth and and uh i was like holy cow like I'm, like i didn't even want to think it but i was like i could maybe go to the mm-hmm. olympics <laughs> and and so so you got seventh and fifth so congratulations that's insane um you were kind of gifted that second one or the first one technically i guess they were kind of just like well let's just see yeah uh, you, you got in for, uh, you got top 10 which is necessary then you go to the one that you were actually supposed to go to you got top five which is insane um please tell me i i really want to hear that you were the fourth person added to the team you were the very last selection on the team. please tell me that because that just makes <laughs> it so much cooler I wish I could, but I was ah, a third guy. Okay, This is still more impressive. That means you um, had a little extra leeway, so that's pretty cool. So it was yeah. like almost – I'm not going to say guaranteed, but it sounds like there was a real good was, shot at that point that you are Yeah, so after, after I um, – but like at, that, at the same point, like at the same time, we didn't really trust the system at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And so like knowing that I was currently third on the U.S. team, I was like, I don't really know if they're going to try to pull some mm-hmm. funny business. Like I don't know how it works, but – um, and then we had one more event in Tremblant, okay. which kind of like, I was, I was like super hyped up to ski it. And I skied a run that I was like, I was like, heck yeah, I got fifth last week, like skied a better run and had the highest score I've ever still to this day gotten at a world cup. And I was in like 23rd. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Just cause it was like, it's a, we're actually, that's where we're going in a week. Oh, nice. Three days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was just like a weird event. Um, everyone got like crazy high scores and mm-hmm. I just kind of like, I don't know, I, I didn't put down the result I wanted, but then later that day they like sat us all down to announce the Olympic team and like just, I don't, none of my family was there. I was just like with the U S team. And, mm-hmm. um, so they, they told us who was going and I was like, couldn't i like didn't really believe it mm-hmm. like i thought i i just it was a really hard thing to wrap my head around because i i had received my u.s ski team jacket like two weeks prior mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden i was just getting told that i was getting to go ski at the olympics still not officially even on the u.s team. i was just about to say they gave you a jacket but you weren't on the team right like no that's so they so they if you win selections you get to, you get like world cup starts, mm-hmm. but you, you don't get named to the team until April, which is when the next like, Oh, okay. 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 And so I, I'm not really sure, but I think they like, they said they were going to name me to the team in the middle of the season, but I kind of think they just did, said that so that when I got interviewed for the Olympics, I wasn't going to be like, fuck these guys. I'm independent. Like, yeah. This, yeah. This is all me. This is Casey's country. This is the country yeah. I'm a part of. Me against yeah. the world. So, oh, I but, love that. Um, but yeah, I, so I'm not, I'm still not sure. I think I wasn't technically named the mm. team until April. It's definitely um, cooler that way for being yeah, honest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I'm thought not, I'm not going to lie, man. That's pretty sweet. I was hyped on it. Um, that's, that's so cool. And yeah. And so like they told me I made the Olympic team and like, I just like was crying and I called my parents and like, they couldn't believe it. And it was just like the most overflow of emotion i've ever mm-hmm. experienced in my whole life and then we uh there was like an after party we went to and like everyone just had a great time and mm-hmm. it was, that was super fun and i was supposed to fly from quebec back to uh boulder where my parents live and just like be home for a week 
but because of like the whole being named to the Olympic team thing, I had that little thing. I literally, yeah, <laughs> yeah that little I, thing. they booked me, they booked me on a flight like five hours after I landed at home. So I got to go home, say hi to my parents and my, I have a, or my little sister and my girlfriend for like a couple hours, pack some more stuff and then fly straight to park city for like the Olympic team naming mm-hmm. and whatever. And, um, yeah. And from there it was like, I like, I had just gotten the U S team jacket, the jacket that I'd like worked my whole life to get. I was just like, so psyched on it. And then all of a sudden we got our Olympic uniforms and I was like, Oh, screw that old jacket. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this jacket is, they were like, they were, I don't know. They were a lot cooler. And yeah, I mean, I, yeah, duh. So, like, of course it's cool. Yeah. You're on the Olympic team, dude. That's yeah. insane. Oh man. That is just, that is just so cool. That like, how many people have ever done that? Maybe not even in your sport specifically, but just in like sports in general. I mean, this is obviously not a very common way of going about making the Olympics. I know that's for a fact, but do we yeah. know, do we have any statistics on how many people? So have there's, there was one guy who uh, went from us selections to the Olympic team um, like 10 years ago or something. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm not sure the exact details. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's I, only a handful. Let's call it. Yeah. A handful yeah, yeah. There's only a handful. And it was like, it was almost like, better that there had been just so that there was proof that the mm-hmm. system worked you yeah. know yeah yeah because yeah. otherwise it would have been hard to trust that you could just like go win a couple events and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden ski mm-hmm. at the olympics um but yeah so when we got to park city for the sorry i'm just like flooding you with info Dude, I've, th- this I'm, is, I this is literally what this is for i want okay, you to tell cool. the story and i'm just asking some questions along <laughs> the way. keep doing anything man i love this um yeah so we got to park city and at the they call it the center of excellence it's the u.s ski team headquarters mm-hmm. and they had this room there because columbia who was making our like official sponsor um had this whole room with just like boxes of stuff and they like let us into the room and we literally just went and like they're like yeah just pick like you know one or if you <laughs> want another one like grab another one and just filled a full duffel bag and like uh the thing you keep suits in like a suit mm-hmm. bag for our mm-hmm. for our olympic uniform. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and just like just let us go get like so much new just everything and like That's i awesome. was just losing my mind and which turned out when you get back when you actually get to korea you go to the olympic processing center or whatever mm-hmm. and that's like turns out what i thought was like a lot of cool stuff was like a eighth of what yeah. we were getting. Oh, dude, that's and awesome. So there we were like, like Polo, Ralph Lauren, uh-huh. like we had tailors like measuring everything and just giving us literal duffel bags of sweaters and pants and sweatpants and shoes and like a Nike bag full of like everything you could imagine. That's awesome. And like just walking around and it was just like it just like it was a literal dream. Yeah. I mean, like, again, like it was forever. better than a literal dream. <laughs> I mean, considering where you were just a few months before and everything that, again, needed to happen and fall in place. Uh, again, I, I don't believe in being lucky. I, I understand the amount of work. I mean, I really don't understand the amount of work that you had to put in. It, you know, I, I can live vicariously through your story. But, I mean, it's just insane that you were able to do all that, make the team. And not only that, I mean, you finished fifth. You are top five in the world that year. Like, that's insane <laughs> to me. But one last question I want to ask about being named to the Olympic team. Was there, 
like were you ever kind of looked at as like the redheaded stepchild i know that this period of time was like it sounds like 10 to 14 days so there's really no time as you said to think but like did from from not being on the team and you were friends with guys on the team but did they look at you like there's no way like he can't do this like come on like but like was there ever any anything like that going on like maybe from Um, the outside in i think like behind the scenes i'm sure there was like i'm sure higher ups in the like like in the uh like the governing body they were probably like this kid better not freaking make this team it's gonna make us look like I, i'm sure that i yeah oh, yeah well, i'm sure yeah there was a lot of things that happened later on in the season that like seemed very uh like they they hooked me up with uh they paid for like my flights for the rest of the year after mm-hmm. the olympics and mm-hmm. stuff and, mm-hmm. um which was dope but like after like right when it was clear that i was like gonna be on the team and stuff everybody just immediately went from being like from the previous year where they were like, who's this dude? We don't need mm-hmm. this kid in our lives to doing everything they can to make me feel like I was a part of them. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. To like all of a sudden buttering me up and being like, yeah, like we believed in you all the long, like all the whole time. <laughs> and I just remember thinking like, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Don't, there's no need. Uh, okay. That's interesting. We don't need to get too deep into that, but that's yeah, something that, that I'm just very curious about. Cause I mean, let's be honest. It's all politics the whole way up. Yeah. Um, so I, I can. The last thing is like it's no, it's, yeah. it's no one's fault. Like I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't hit the criteria. I get it. But like, just, and I don't want to like step on anybody's toes because I really like everybody. No, 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 no. Me. Yeah. the decisions. But at the same time, it was like something that I was just so proud of because I was like, I was proving these people wrong that I felt like I needed to. I don't know. It, it felt good. <laughs> no, and, and it should, man. And, and again, you made the Olympics. So let's, let's, and I'm sorry for keeping you for so long, but no, I didn't I, realize I your story. Really nothing to do, like so. so, um, so yeah, let's talk about, I mean, like, I just think it's crazy how short of a time frame all this happened in. I mean, that sounds like that whole last 20 to 25 minutes sounds like that was like 10 to 14 to 21 days. It was like three weeks. Yeah, yeah it was literally two, three weeks. So, so now you're going to Korea. I mean, tell it like, when did it really hit you that, you were actually going to compete at the Olympics. Cause again, like a month earlier you were at us selections being like, well, if everything falls right, then yeah, I can go. But like, when did it finally hit you that like, was it on the plane? Was it when you got off the plane? Like when was that moment where you're like, Holy shit, like this all happened. Like, honestly, I'm not sure when it hit me. Like, uh-huh. I don't even know if it did. <laughs> like I, like I, I kept like, you know, doing like, you know, figuratively pinching myself and uh-huh. being like, all right, like, look at this. I was where's, like trying to, is this, trying a, to keep where's the camera? Eye. Like, where's the camera? Yeah. Is this yeah, a joke? Exactly. Like, on, who's, who's all right? Ha ha jokes. Uh-huh. It's not funny anymore. Um, but I think just like, like every step of the way just got like that much cooler that it was really hard for me to all of a sudden be like, Oh yeah, no, I'm here now. Mm-hmm. And I tried to keep a diary to, just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, get memoirs of it. Yeah, absolutely. But it just like, it got too hectic and crazy to even keep up with. So mm-hmm. like, I, I like kind of lost track of it. Um, but I think like the part that really, like when it really sank in and I was like, holy cow, like this is, was when I was at the top of the course, like looking down and I saw like the, the grandstand and the TV crews and mm-hmm. like it was at night and the whole course was glowing from like the lights and 
I like I looked at my bib and it just had like the big Olympic rings on it and I was like this is like this is what I watched yeah 16 years uh-huh. ago like this is exactly why I wanted to do this and that's what I think like was the coolest part for me I was like this is like this is literally 16 years later like why I did this sport mm-hmm. and uh that that was a pretty cool feeling that is awesome man I mean what's that like like obviously you have more goals in life right like but that seems like it was one of the biggest ones and one of the more I mean like obviously it was achievable because you got it but like you have such you know, this was only, you know, a year ago now, literally to the day that yeah. you found out you were on the team. So, like, what was that like being able to be like, holy crap, like, I did it. Like, I literally did it. Like, was that a weight that lifted, like, came off your shoulders? Was that you getting even more focused at the time? How, how, what were the feelings around that? Yeah, so, um, well, there was, like, a couple, I guess. The first thing was I had to, you know, I still had to compete at the event. Yeah, oh, of course. And that's, yeah, that's kind of where I was um, leading to the next question. Okay, yeah, but – Cause I actually like do want to talk about that and like the whole goals and everything, but it, it's more of like a, after the games kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. But as far as like getting named to the team, I was like, this, this ride's still going. Like getting named to the team was like, at that point I was like, holy cow, like I'm now an Olympian. Mm-hmm. Like that's no just, such that's thing as a former me. Olympian too. You're, you're yeah. always an Olympian. I think that that's super cool. So yeah. So, I was, so that part was, I was like, I'm an Olympian. I was like, all right, but now like, like let's go compete and so mm-hmm. i got i was like all fired up and then we showed up to to the venue and the first couple of days i just like wasn't really skiing very very well and uh, there was two qualifying rounds this time and the first qualifying round i skied like an average run but it mm-hmm. like nothing special and i ended up just outside of the people who got to advance mm-hmm. and then there was an, one more training day than the second round of qualification and like the rest of the competition. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was like really frustrated and I was like, why is it? I was just like skiing so good all month. Like now I'm skiing like crap, what's happening. And my coach from Vail who came out to watch the games because he had four, four of the eight athletes skiing moguls were from Vail. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay. Yeah, so Good. we're his, like, direct athletes. Yeah. <laughs> Props to him. Thank the you, dude, The dude's, like, 28 years old. Um, <laughs> and uh, so he was there, and I was, like, his name's Riley. And I was, like, Riley, like, dude, you got to tell me, like, what's going on with me? And he's, he's like, a like, super funny guy, like, doesn't really – knows when to take it seriously, but for the most part just, like, makes jokes and keeps it lighthearted. And uh, he just said, Casey, you're taking it too seriously. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you've been, he's like, you haven't been with us, like Team Vale. You've been with the U.S. team and like, they take it seriously and that's like, as they should. But he's like, you just, you just got to lighten up and have some fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes, we're all, because my whole family was there, my girlfriend, my friends, like a bunch of people were there. He was like, we're all going down to Seoul, which was four hours away. And he's like, we're all going down to Seoul. We're going to go out for the night, have a good time. And then come back the day before the the next event the mm-hmm. next like day of competing and i was like that seems like a pretty crazy move because like, <laughs> you're not supposed to leave the uh-huh. olympic safe zones or whatever mm-hmm. and i asked the u.s coaches and they're like yeah i don't care like as long you're as you're not on the team good, you? <laughs> they're like yeah as long as you ski good like you can do whatever you want uh-huh. and so uh went down to them to seoul like you know, they all went to the bars and stuff. I had to compete, so I like wasn't drinking. But 
had a great time, had some great food, like went dancing and mm-hmm. uh, just, it was just like really funny and hilarious and the whole thing was awesome. And then uh, showed up the next day and I just like felt like refreshed mm-hmm. and was so ready to, and, and at that point, that was when I finally was like, okay, I'm here. Might as well make the most of it. Like I'm not, doesn't really matter. No one expects me to do well. Like I might as well just try to ski as many runs as I can today. Mm-hmm. And that was like the whole goal was like, I'm just going to ski yeah. as many runs, as many mogul runs as I can. Makes sense. The longer you're on the hill, the better you're doing, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, and then I, uh, after I started thinking that way, I skied better and better and better. And then, um, yeah, ended up in the super final. Dude, that, that is awesome. Yeah, I mean, fifth place from, you know, from where you came to fifth in the world. I mean, like, again, just I can understand how that really didn't hit you. Um, but I just think that is so cool, man. And congratulations again. Your story is when I when I scheduled this, I did not realize uh, how crazy everything you've been through, especially literally. <laughs> I'm sorry the last... if you got to have if you have stuff to do. Dude, I got nothing to do. I'm supposed to eat dinner in a half an hour. I don't care. This is way cooler anyway. I don't... <laughs> not a big deal to me um i mean honestly we are pretty close to done i mean the olympics obviously this being an olympic podcast on the story and path to the yeah. game uh you know we got there but i, I have a couple questions about that like obviously so you've done however many runs in your life thousands upon thousands these was it the first couple or really even any of them were you able to um did you just try and close it off and pretend like I'm not at the Olympics. I'm just going down the hill. Or did you try and take that motivation and that energy and that adrenaline and put it into your skiing and be like, no, I'm here. Let's go big. Let's really push it and try and take advantage of that. Like where, where did you kind of fall on that spectrum? Yeah, I definitely was doing it. That the latter. Yeah. Just let's, let's I was go. like, I, I don't know. I was like at the Olympics with TV crews and people. Mm-hmm. And like, I knew everybody that I know at home was like watching. Mm-hmm. I was like, it seems seems like kind of a waste of being here to pretend like I'm just skiing another mogul run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Cause this is not another mogul run. And, uh, and so I would just like kind of like let the energy of it all. And just like the whole, the whole fact I, I was like shedding a tear, like while I was in the gate, getting ready to go kind mm-hmm. of thing. And um, so I think that was, that was like the other theme I was trying to take a, of take away from the whole situation was like, I wasn't going to say no yeah, I wasn't going to say no to anything anybody asked me. So for like, cause there's like a lot of media opportunities and interviews mm-hmm. and like people you meet and signings and like, there's so many different things. And a lot of people say no, cause they don't want to get distracted. Mm-hmm. So I was trying, I was like, I'm going to do everything that I can <laughs> like yeah. at this place. And, and so that was kind of part of it was just like absorbing every ounce of it. That's awesome. And it works again. I mean, so what like top 10 or top five, like what, when, when you realize and you made that super final, as you said, like what, like obviously first place, of course, getting a medal, of course, but I I hate that the media narrative is medals. Like, I mean, you're top five in the world. As I said, I'd be top 500 at anything. (laughs) And I think I'd be pretty happy. So like, what does that mean to you to know, like at that time, at this, the biggest event in your sport, you were one of the five best people on the hill that was you know, for, for that day specifically, like, what is, what does that mean to you? And like, what does that do moving forward for skiing for you and how, how are you going to take advantage of it? Yeah. So it was the super final run that I ended up putting down was kind of a, one of the, I don't know, some people questioned the call I made because there was the stock run I'd been doing all day. And then, which was a cork seven nose grab to a cork 
1080, which is three mm-hmm. off-axis spins. And then I had this trick that I had trained on the water ramps, but thrown, not really thrown on snow very much, which was a cork 1080 truck driver. So like a three spins, and then you grab both your, the tips of your skis at the end of the trick. And I never really like done it in a full run, and it wasn't really ready. But I'd seen how the judges were scoring me, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, if I put down this run and some other stuff goes right, like I could get third, maybe second. Mm-hmm. But like I know for a fact this is not going to be the winning run. Mm-hmm. And so I asked Riley, my coach at the bottom, and I was like, I was like, God, like, dude, you got to help me out. Like, what do I do? Like, do I do my stock run or do I roll the dice and try this harder trick? And uh, it was the first time he's ever actually told me that he can't, couldn't make the decision for me. Mm-hmm. He was like, he was a case like, this is, <laughs> this is your moment. <laughs> I think you gotta, you gotta make the call. Yeah, man. And so then I was on the chairlifts and I was just like going back and forth and back and forth. And finally, like really two reasons made me decide to like throw the harder trick. And it was just thinking about, you know, eight year old me watching back home mm-hmm. and being like, eight, eight year old me would not want me to just lay one up, do the same trick I've been doing. Like he'd want me to go for it. Like that's what this is all about. It's not about like, like no one, you don't ski to try to win third place. Exactly. Yep. Like you ski cause you try to win the gold medal. And if you're trying to win a bronze medal, you've already lost kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that I was like, all right, screw, we're going to do the harder trick. And um, I got really close. I had like two, I ended up touching both my hands on the landing. Um, and if I had like two more feet of air, I probably would have landed it. But uh, yeah, so ended up, uh, ended up getting fifth. And, but I, I got down there and I was like, honestly, like, <laughs> I don't even care. Like it was that's awesome sick. dude yeah i love that mentality i mean yeah who skis for third who does anything for third place i mean right? you know, like, what's what's the point yeah, as you said you already lost at that point so i mean you know get to where you need to get to obviously and you got there you got to the final that's where you need to get to and then from there i mean you try and win and you know it sounds like as you said you you were pretty darn close man but i think that's incredible and you know i'm glad um I'm glad there's people like you that, that do things uh, and, and represent us in that way. I think that that's oh, thank you. Man. So now, dude, please, as I said, the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> um, so I, again, man, I'm really sorry to keep you, but I just have so many more questions. No, I, so, honestly, I have literally nothing going well, on. Well, I'm just yet. worried about your poor brother. Like we kicked him out of the room like 45 minutes. Nah, no, I'm kidding. Fine. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so a um, couple more questions about the 2018 games. I mean, what was – so after or before – like so when was your um, – when was your time slot? I don't remember. Were you guys early in the week or late in the week? Like, did you have time beforehand to go and hang out and experience everything? Or, Not or really. We're, we're like the first event. Oh, okay, cool. cool. So, one of the first events. So then after that, I mean, you're totally elated. Top five in the world. You get to go. So how much kind of exploring? How much did you just try and go around and meet people and just try and take in? Because not everybody gets to go to one games, as we are very aware. Um, so how did you try and just take advantage of being there and just soak in everything that the Olympics has to offer? Yeah, so afterwards, it's just like, like it's just one massive party. Um, picture, <laughs> a picture like the top athletes in the world at every sport uh-huh. and like how how intense they are and like how much focus they put in and now like picture that on a spectrum and they do like the exact opposite when mm-hmm. they release you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. release is also very crazy and extreme and mm-hmm. uh 
So I was there for like a week after the event and made a ton of friends, hung out with like my childhood heroes and um, it was incredible. I, I went and watched some Nordic combined, some speed skating and some like slope style or a bunch of other sports. Mm -hmm. And then after like six, seven days, um, my friend Troy, who you, you mm -hmm. interviewed, yeah. Uh, was, go check out his podcast told me he was going to japan uh-huh uh to go ski powder and i'd never been there and uh -huh. i was like we had we had more competitions in the season too and i was like troy i if i stay here like i'm not gonna be in any shape to i'm gonna die <laughs> <laughs> i can't i can't compete after living like this because uh -huh. it's just like it's just a lot yeah and you don't have to get into specifics it's fine yeah, no, i think we all understand a lot, you know yeah, like, yeah, absolutely excited and uh and so what we, I ended up going to Japan with him the next day and we just went and stayed in an RV and skied powder. Like that was up to our noses in Japan for two weeks before the event there. And like Japan was just incredible. Like I, I want to live there someday. Like it was just the cool, everyone was so nice and the snow was incredible. And it was just like, I, I loved it. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then we had the competitions the rest of the season. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's a release and it's a releasing from the release sometimes, you know, like when you go on yeah. a vacation, that's super long. You kind of then want like a week to just kind of decompress. It sounds yeah. like that's what you did. And Troy did tell me about that. Um, and it did sound like you guys had a pretty, pretty darn good time while you were there. So yeah. that is awesome, was, man. I'm, I'm still glad you got to experience and really hang out with everyone and really be able to uh, uh, take in that side of the Olympics too, because that's always very important. And uh, again, like it sounds like you were kind of lucky that your sport goes a little early in the week because I've heard of or earlier in the, the two, three weeks. Um, cause I've heard of people having their competition at the very end of the Olympics. Yeah. They pretty much just like sit in their room and watch Netflix for like, you know, 14 days because yeah, they don't want to go out and that. do anything. So yeah, um, you don't want to expend your energy. Yeah, exactly. So it's understandable. It's kind of a drag, but I mean, they're still there. They can still enjoy it. So yeah. man, that was incredible. Thank you so much for explaining everything that went into that. But yeah, one for thing, sure. One thing that's really important, um, and obviously you're very aware of this, not that many people get to go to one, um, but even le less people get to go to two. So like moving forward, um, specifically in skiing right now, I, I know we're going to talk about outside stuff in a little bit, but specifically moving forward, like what are you, you're obviously now on the team. Congratulations. You deserve it. Obviously Thank you. <laughs> it was kind of a foregone <laughs> conclusion. It sounds like, but like what, what are you doing now moving forward and understanding, okay, you have another four years to hit this next event 2022 i mean three years now i guess as of recording like what what does that mean and how are you kind of focusing and making sure these next four years you're peaking i guess at the right time um yeah like how does that's that work a, that's a really tough question that like i've just that's everybody's first question is like mm -hmm. oh you went to the olympics like what do you do are you gonna go to the next how one? are you gonna do it again yeah yeah and i just like it was so incredible and cool that like to even think about like going mm -hmm. to the next one when it's so far away seems like getting ahead of myself and there's so much that can happen between now and then. And I know where I need to be, where I want to be. Um, but for now, like I'm just trying to focus on competition by competition mm -hmm. um, and just trying to build and like get my world rank up and um, just kind of keep, keep the train rolling for these non-Olympic years. We have, we actually have world championships in like two weeks over mm -hmm. in Deer Valley. Very cool. Um, and it's looking like I should, I have all but secured my spot for that. So it should be seen there. And, uh, 
yeah, I guess like, you know, the Olympics will come around when it comes around. And I, I hope that I can go there with my brother. Mm-hmm, He's mm-hmm. not better than me by then. <laughs> um, one, two, one, two in the rankings. That'd be pretty sweet. See that? Yeah. That would be pretty cool. I uh, I crossed cool. my fingers. I'll knock on some wood for that one, dude. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, just kind of like, I finally, I finally feel like I'm like back in my in the groove I was before the Olympics last year. Um, I got fourth last weekend here in Lake Placid, which I was like nice. pretty psyched about, and which is my best result yet. So now I just got to get on that darn podium. <laughs> close, getting closer every time. It sounds like yeah. man, so keep doing your thing. I love and, it. Uh, yeah, just like after, because after the games, I had this weird like self-realization mm-hmm. where I I was thinking about how like oh my god like why am I still skiing these events like I just skied the Olympics like how do I how do I ski a World Cup this thing that like would have meant the entire world to me a month ago but yeah, now it seems again. like now oh. it seems like petty it seems like pocket change like mm-hmm. it just didn't even and so I like did ski great at the rest of the World Cups after that and um. Then I tore the labor in my shoulder in March. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, I was just kind of in a weird place. Like I did all the things I wanted to do with the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, is that, does that mean I should be done? Like I've, this is uncharted territory for me. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I know I thought about it for a long time and I realized like, damn, that's like the perfect place to be. Like I've done all the things I want to do. And now all I, now all there is is like, to help change the sport for the better and help to like, you know, push myself and try to win some events and just like really have fun with it. Cause it's just, you know, I kind of pressures off, just enjoy mm-hmm. it. Dude, that's awesome. And I mean, again, thank you so much. Sincerely appreciate your time today. Sincerely appreciate you, you getting nice and intimate with us and really letting us in on to some of this stuff. Um, you know, hopefully everyone doesn't know all of these things so that they'll, they'll listen to it and they'll learn a couple of <laughs> things along the way. I think that that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, so enough about skiing. Uh, you know, I want to take a couple of minutes to talk about some of the other things you do. I know obviously you're very into photography, uh, filming, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, obviously you brought it up before. You have goals outside of skiing as well. Um, so yeah, I'd love to dive into that. Like what got you into photography? What What do you love about it so much? And what are some of these other things that, you know, I mean, you're 23? Three, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got a couple of years. Let's times that by like three or four and you know so you got a little <laughs> while like so like what what are some of these other things you know as you alluded to it like you kind of you hit your goal you hit your pinnacle now obviously you can go win first you can go help your brother get on the team and you know go to the olympics with you but i mean outside of skiing and outside of all that like what are some of these things that you're trying to do and i, I guess why are you trying to do them yeah so i mean photography i had a friend that lived with me he was also a mogul skier um he was he's a danish kid but lived in or lives in England and he was really into photography and he like lived with us for a bit and would take pictures of us skiing and stuff. And then he showed me the more like artistic side of it. Cause I'd always been taking pictures and videos of like different skiing, mm-hmm. whatever. And um, I just realized I was like, Oh, this is like the perfect thing to pair with traveling the world for skiing. Cause mm-hmm. we're going to all these cool places. I can just take pictures of them all. And so I started doing, I started it there and it just kind of, branched out to like a nice little outlet of expression and um it's i guess like i started doing it for companies now too here Congrats. and there um there so it's, i mean it's not like a, a, i wouldn't even call it a job at this point but like i try to pair it with my skiing so i work with different companies as a skier and a photographer and like try to i don't know 
see where I can go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I enjoy and I, it's a nice combo. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how that happened. And then recently I've been getting really into fixing up old motorcycles. This is another fun thing that very I've been cool. doing. Very cool. Um, I'm not very good at it yet, but you weren't I'm, very I'm, good at skiing when you started either. I mean, that's why yeah, you can't come out, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, I did a couple like speaking engagements after the Olympics last year. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing big. I like, talked at my middle school graduation. That's pretty um, cool. And, but it was like super fun and I loved it. And so, um, my agent now, I was actually, I was like, yeah, if anybody needs me to like talk for any event, like hook, hook it up. And so I've been like trying to, trying to get more into that and, um, and then going to school, taking mm-hmm. astronomy online right now. Whoa, there you go. Did you see the moon last night? I didn't. It's, ah, it's been dumping here. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you can't see anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just, just uh, chipping away at school and doing things that are, uh, are fun. <laughs> Good for you, man. I mean, that's not that bad. Again, you're, you're so young. Like, clearly, like, I didn't really want to know what I wanted to do until like last year. So like clearly you got a couple of years, you can, you can hang out and you've already built a pretty good legacy for yourself as is. Um, I think that that's pretty incredible. Obviously within the skiing world, the skiing community, there's still more, um, as you said, you want to change the sport you alluded to in the beginning, kind of how you don't really like the particular direction. So maybe you can kind of, once you're at the top, you can kind of start to steer it, uh, where you'd like it to go. So I think that'd be pretty cool. And, you know, it sounds like you'd have a little bit of help with your brother. If he was up there as well, you guys could kind of pull the reins together. It sounds like it'd be a little easier with two people doing it, but, um, yeah, for I sure. mean, that is awesome, man. So sincerely, Casey, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much. I don't need to take up any more of your time. This was one of the longer <laughs> ones, but I had an absolute blast doing this. Thank hey, you so me much. Too. Yeah, thanks Dude, for I'm listening. Glad. No, please. That's what I love doing. The only thing I like more than listening is talking. So <laughs> well, I love doing this podcast, man. But sincerely, Casey Andringa, right? Andringa? I said that right? Andringa, yeah. Perfect. Andringa. Oh, it's been so long since I had to say it. I usually butcher them in the second <laughs> time around anyway. USA Skiing Moguls, 2018 Olympian, top five finisher casey sincerely man thank you so much for hanging out with us today hey thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode of our athletes with casey andringa as i said this story was insane just all of the things that had to happen for him to be able to go to the olympics and and compete for his country something that he's wanted to do for a huge chunk of his life um and the the opportunity to leave was a lot easier than get there but he stuck with it he did everything absolutely in his power the stars aligned, the planets aligned with those stars and everything did get to work out for him. So thank you so much again to Casey. Make sure to follow him on all his socials. Everything is in the show notes. Make sure to follow us too at ourathletes.us on Instagram, at ourathletesusa on Twitter. Check out our website, www.ourathletes.us to see some of the stuff we have on the business side. Thank you again to launchingpodcasts.com and step-by-step video course to easily launch a podcast from ideation all the way up to your first four episodes. Head there, get $50 off using promo code Mike at checkout. It's launchingpodcast.com, promo code Mike for $50 at checkout. Please, also, one last thing. Please rate us in the iTunes store. I think there is so much opportunity for this show. Um, All of these athletes have such incredible stories. I don't even know how many episodes we're up to now, but I want them to have way more than the hundreds of downloads they have. I want them to have thousands. I want them to have hundreds of thousands. So please, 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 if you could do one thing today to help somebody, please give us a rating on iTunes. I don't even care what it is. Just give us a rating. I just want more and more. Five stars, of course, but if you don't think I deserve it, then I don't want it. Thank you so much again for listening. I sincerely appreciate it, and I hope you have a wonderful day.